session of all. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to session of all. Yes, we're still alive, we're still going. I'm still here. Apologies for the hiatus, it's myself, Brad, uh, Leon by my side. Hey. We have no Tom this week, we have no Adrian, but we do have a very special guest uh, from one of the most exciting breweries around at the moment, Shenanigans. We have Sam. Hello, Sam. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank, thank, you. thank you for gracing us with your presence, Sam. Much mm. appreciated. Okay. We are already off and running with our first beer. Yeah, we're not screwing around today. Without <laughs> much further ado, <laughs> let's uh, let's get stuck in. Sam, what are we drinking? As if it needs any introduction, right? Uh, so this is, I guess you could say, our flagship beer. Um, it didn't really become our flagship beer uh, on purpose. It's just our best seller at the moment. Um, it's the beer we set out to brew um, to make it uh, pale ale with a little bit more um, than your average pale ale. So this has got a bit more alcohol than your average pale ale. It's up around 5.6%. Uh, we throw a lot of hops at it, uh, mostly late in the whirlpool and dry hop. Uh, so we try not to put too much bitterness into it. Uh, we just want to focus on on the hops and make them kind of shine. Mm. Um, so on paper, um, it's actually more of an IPA than, than a pale ale, um, but we just call it a pale ale. You tempted with the, an XPA or a session IPA? <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did play around with calling it an XPA, and if you look at the bottle, the batch number codes are actually XPA yeah, yeah, 006. Um, so internally, we, we sometimes refer to it as an XPA. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sold on the whole XBA name thing. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the, the, the style guidelines for American Pale Ale, this sits at the top of those um, guidelines as well. So, technically, it is so there you Pale go. Ale. <laughs> Confirmed, it is a Pale Ale. It does get a bit confusing sometimes, like, with, you know, like Hop Hog and things. Well, they don't know what they yeah, are. What, yeah, what? Yeah, they cross out India on the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it gets entered into competitions as a as a as an American pale. Is that right? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe that's a bit of gamesmanship there. <laughs> <laughs> so is this um, the new batch that you've just released? Or yeah, that's right. Um, so we've just we just um, delivered uh, bottles from this batch to bottle shops on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been bottled conditioning for a couple of weeks, um, so we brewed it uh, about a month ago now. But it's pretty much as fresh as you can get in terms of a bottle conditioned yeah, beer. Definitely. Is that is that something that's fairly new for you guys, bottle conditioning, or is that something you've done from the start? Yeah. Look, I mean, I've been home brewing for a long time at home, and and of course you start out bottling conditioning beers at home, and I still do for some beers. Um, so the process wasn't foreign to us at all. Um, but we have uh, changed breweries recently, so we're brewing at the Rocks Brewery in Alexandria now. Um, and uh, the the bottle uh, facility, the bottling facilities there, are, are, you have to do bottle conditioning basically. Just set up. There's yeah. no there's no way to fill a bottle with a with a carbonated fully carbonated beer. Okay. Um, so we thought we'd give it a go. Um, we think it should um, give it a bit more stability on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we thought we'd just give it a go, and I think it's turned out pretty well. Do you expect it to cause it to, to develop more in the bottle as a result? Some secondary fermentation at all going on in there, or? Uh... Well, there's definitely secondary fermentation. Whether it um, adds anything in terms of flavour or aroma, I'm not so sure. I guess we'll find out. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's it's really good um, 
for scavenging oxygen from the beer. Yeah. Um, so any any type of bottling you do, you're bound to get a tiny little bit of oxygen ingress. Even yeah. the best um, bottle fillers, the beer the beer is exposed for a short 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 amount of time between filling and capping. Um, you can use oxygen scavenging bottle caps, um, but I think the bottle conditioning process will the yeast naturally scavenges away some of that oxygen mm-hmm. during the secondary fermentation. Um, so yeah, that's one thing, and that will help protect some of the hops in the beer and, yeah. and make it last a bit longer. Um, but there's definitely arguments for um, just coarse carbonating hoppy beers and filling them straight from the tank and getting them out there nice and fresh yeah, as well. Yeah. But I think this has turned out pretty good. Yeah, mm. we're interested to see how this develops after a little bit of time as well. Mm. But um, it's tasting banging yeah. fresh. It's great. Yeah. Nice big fruit hit on the nose, which I think is maybe a bit more than on the original batch, but it's been a while since I've had it. But yeah, <laughs> definitely does seem a bit fruitier to me. Just, I think, what. Well, well, most people will find beautiful, and this is just that massive citrus hit that you mm-hmm. get with this. The, mm-hmm. the pineapple, the passions, like flavours that come through on it, and when it's fresh, you get that in such abundance. It's mm. yeah, I really like the carbonation in this as well. Mm. I think you were mentioning before that you were quite happy with it, but yeah, it's a bit different. I really like it. I think it's got a bit of a different mouthfeel um, to a non the non bottle conditioned mm. version. Yeah, so um. We went straight in and talked about the popularity of Winston. You said you weren't and you weren't intending it necessarily to be a flagship beer. Did it surprise you that it became a flagship beer? Did you have another one of your beers in mind that you thought would be the flagship, and then this one kind of came in around the side, or did um, you just not give it much thought? We never really had a plan for like we never really had a planned range of beers that we wanted to put out. Um, we started off with the Grisette, um back you know, just over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And that was something we worked on for a long time at home. Me and Dan both brewed probably, I don't know, like six or seven batches each. Wow. Uh, trying to get yeah, it right, yeah. you know, trying different yeast strains and different hop combinations. And um, we, you know, set it on something we were both really happy with. But um, to be honest, I it didn't really move that well. Um, I don't think a lot of people were really ready for Saison's a year ago. I know a lot of people were, but um, the average punter... <coughs> um, yeah. You know, I bought one, didn't know what they were drinking, and thought it thought it was disgusting. <laughs> okay. um, but I think in that, from then to now, that's changed quite a, quite a bit. Oh, definitely. And we'd love we'd love to try another season again soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just have a list of ideas that we want to try, and depending on the season and when when we get the chance to, to put a new beer out there, um, it has to kind of align up with the brewery's schedule and. And our schedules as well. Mm, yeah. Um, we just kind of pick one from the list that, that fits in with the season that we're in and go for it. Um, so that's what we've been doing. And Winston just happened to be the one we picked off next. Yeah. Okay. So in saying that, is there a few more up your, up your guys' sleeves that you're waiting for the right time to bring out? Or Oh, definitely. Dan yeah. and I have both got, you know, a list quite long of beers that we want to brew. That's um, yeah. Some of them we've brewed at home before and, and we love them. Mm-hmm. Um and others are just kind of ideas that we have um, that we'd like to we'd like to realise at some point. Awesome, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just going back to the grisette, you mentioned that you both brewed sort of six or seven batches before yep. you came up with the recipe. Is that how these, this tends to work? You kind of collaborate together, you, you you work on each other's recipes, and you come up with something that you're both happy with, and then release it to the public. Is that is that how it goes? Yeah, we kind of mix it up a bit. Um, we did start working on the same recipe together and both brewing pilot batches at home and kind of iterating on the recipe. Um, but <laughs> um, it, it, 
basically um, caused a few arguments, especially when, when it came to actually brewing it in the brew house. Um, I remember there was an argument over how, you know, how many IBUs should, should um, the bittering hops bring to the beer. And um, I think I wanted less and I wanted to put more in the whirlpool and Dan wanted more of a, 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 um, a tight bitterness um, from the bittering hops. And, uh, you know, that, ever since then we um, just kind of decided to, We've got so many beer ideas, and we have the opportunity to bring out several beers a year. We just kind of own the recipes. So yeah. Winston, it was kind of started off as a bit of a collaboration, and ended up being uh, my beer. And um, uh, Dan has done uh, a couple of the well, the stunt beers. So uh, yeah. there's Flight Path, mm-hmm. the coffee infused American Brown, and also the Holy Porter. Okay. Uh, which was uh, the Sydney Coffee Week yeah. special the rum, um, right. yeah, rum infused porter last year. So those stunt um, beers are things, are they going to be a one-off? So they will be, might see like the flight path coming back or what's your plan with those? Um, we do have plans to do another flight path. Um, it probably won't be the same beer. But, um, this is Dan's plan at the yeah. moment. Um, maybe a different style, but you know, the, keep the, the coffee, the, coffee element, uh, the yeah. main element. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's the plan at the moment. But with the stunt beers in general, um, they're often things we're not really sure if they'll fly. Um, so, you know, we put them out as a stunt beer, and if, if they people really like them, and then we'll turn mm-hmm. them into uh, a core yeah. beer, yeah. <laughs> as, as core as core can be. Yeah. Us. So uh, let's just take it back a step. Um, you're both homebrewers, right, by background, yourself and Dan. That's right, yeah. So what... How did that then become an idea for a commercial brewery, a commercial operation? Did you spot a gap that you wanted to go for, or did you just see sort of others having a good time and think, yeah, we want a bit of that? Oh, a bit of both. Um, we've both been homebrewing for quite a long time. I think me six years and Dan's getting on ten years homebrewing, I think. Jeez, yeah. Um, put, in, put in the graph there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut your chops. So, um, you know, and we both try and get our hands on as, and as many... Um, Australian brewed coffees as we can, and um, I think there's always room for something a bit more um, exciting and experimental and interesting. Um, and yeah, I guess for me, uh, talking to to uh, Doc um, and seeing how he went from you know just brewing one batch, um, I think at the um, what was it called the AB, no, before that. Before the Sydney, what was it called the Sydney Brewery? It was called um, uh, Schwartzbury. The Schwartzbury, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's where he first, his first brewed his first batch. Um, and from, to go from there to where he is now, and, you know, a year ago from when we started, he was still, um, you know, pretty pretty out there, mm-hmm. um, getting a lot of views out there, a lot of volume. And, um, yeah, it just looked like a lot of fun. And we thought we'd give it a go. And, um, you know, gypsy brewing, it, you know, there's not much money in it, but it's an, it's a quite a lightweight way to start out. You don't need many assets. You don't need yeah. much cash up front. So we thought we'd go in that direction and, and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. So how long was the process from um, making that choice to do it to releasing the first beer? Um, if we weren't so lazy, it wouldn't have taken that long, <laughs> I don't think. I think it was basically at least a year and a half, maybe, I think. Because you, um, you both go overseas to... Do some more training in, in brewing, and um, I've done lots of beer tourism. Yeah, and I, yeah. I did do a short course at UC Davis. Um, that was the year before last. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that wasn't really on the path of, of getting set up. Uh, it's more about um, deciding a name was the hardest part. <laughs> uh, we came up with the long list of names uh, before we actually picked one. 
Um, jumping through all the, the hoops and the red tape uh, took a long time as well. Like you have to, you know, it's not hard looking back on it, but there's a lot of stuff you have to do. Get a police check. Um, it depends on which council area you live in. You might have to yeah. get a DA um, to attach a liquor license to your house, which is what I've done for, right. for okay. our license. Yeah. Um, and then you have to actually apply for the license itself. And that all can take, um, you know, months and months. Um, but I think if you really put your mind to it, you could get it get it all together in a few months. Yeah, right. Yeah. How hard was it finding the brewery capacity? Uh, yeah, that was, that was hard as well. Um, we actually got our license quite a while before we found somewhere to brew. Um, so I think it was, yeah, probably a good six months, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we, were, we were originally talking to Young Henry's um, about brewing there. Uh, but then, you know, they got... They got big and ran out of space. Um, they, they they had space for the grifter guys, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so we started looking around. We didn't want to, really want to go too far out of Sydney. We had a few options, you know, an hour, Regional. two hours drive out yeah. of Sydney, and that makes um, it pretty hard, though, doesn't it? Like yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We wanted to ha- have as much to do with the beer as we could. We definitely wanted to be there um, and do as much during the brew day and yeah. overseas as we could, and also have a hand in packaging it and. And just, you know, um, managing the fermentation and mm-hmm. doing the dry hop and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of hard when you have to drive for a couple of hours out yeah. of the brewery. So, yeah, we eventually found um, the batch guys. Um, I think Dan happened to be driving past when some tanks were being unloaded from the truck. Yeah. <laughs> we hadn't heard of them before that. Yeah. Like, they were flying under the radar. So, you're, so. You're, kind of, you're based in that area anyway, like your Marrickville. Yeah, I live in Edmore and Dan's in Marrickville. Okay. And so it just so happened that another brewery was opening... Yeah. Around that time, wow. Yeah. Some things are meant to be, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that worked out pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And it's nice to be at the Roxbury, which is pretty local to us now, mm. us now as well. Yeah. Roxbury is pretty much becoming like the New South Wales equivalent of Cavalier to some degree. Where there's a lot of a lot of people in there at the moment doing different stuff. Yeah, there are a few people in there. I know um, the Wayward guys are, are brewing a couple of batches there at the mm. moment um, until um, they get their own brewery set up which won't be too long, hopefully. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think the Grifter guys are doing some batches there. Are they getting um, their own tanks? Did I something? My understanding is they bought the old Young Henry's brew house. Ah, right, um, okay. I'm not sure how many fermenters and stuff yeah. they have. Um, and, yeah, I think at the moment they're looking for a site. Cool. Yeah. So they've got the kit, the, the kit, they just need somewhere to put it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I know, I, I think the Akasha guys are going to be are going to be um, brewing there soon as well yeah before oh, right. I get set up yeah okay alright it's be exciting yeah you're right so it is really becoming a hub there so yeah so at one time <laughs> there was there were four of you in brewing out a batch at one point right there was batch there was the guys from Pixel there was Wayward and yourselves all kind of sharing space at one point or, or did yeah you? I don't think all at the same time okay. I think at the most there was three of us okay. um, in there including the batch guys yeah mm. What's that like, you know, being somewhere where there's lots of other brewers brewing lots of other different recipes? Do you Is there a good camaraderie between you all, or do you learn lots from each other? Yeah, it's lots of fun. Um, it's always... There was a time a couple of weeks ago when I was in at the Roxbury and um, just doing some stuff, and then Hendo came in um, <laughs> and hung out for a bit, and then Sam Fuss from Young Henry's came in, and then um, Sean from... Wayward was there yeah, as well. Yeah. And Good times, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always cool to, to um, catch up with other brewers and, you know, share our experiences and share yeah. ideas and stuff like that. 
Yeah. I think everyone's always um, very eager to help each other out as well. So, yeah. So, life of a gypsy brewer, obviously, by definition, involves, involves jumping from site to site. How much pressure does it put on you to adapt to your new surroundings and to keep things consistent? How difficult is that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, we don't take it too seriously, though. Like, as, as a gypsy brewer and a craft brewer, you know, we don't try and do things like um, blending hops across seasons or anything mm-hmm. like that. When we get the new season hops, we get the new season hops. Yes. Um, you know, we just brew with them, and if we need to make a tweak with the recipe, we will. Um, but we don't, you know, we don't pretend that we're going for 100% consistency between batches. So moving between breweries is just another one of those, another one of those um, aspects that we need to, you know, watch out for, but we're not too worried about. Yeah, cool. Okay, so we've talked about the issues with getting them started commercially, about finding somewhere to brew your beer. So how about getting your beer out after it's been brewed? How how was that as an experience for you as a... I guess particularly with the grisette at the start. Yeah. Were you really pounding the pavement or were people coming to you or... Yeah, um, the sales aspect is, is a lot harder than I, than I first thought. We're, I guess we're quite naive in that respect. Um, we did know a lot of people in the industry, um, some of them working in bars and pubs around the place. Um, so, you know, they might have tasted our homebrew over the years and are kind of getting excited about us finally putting out a commercial beer. Um, so we, we sold some of it that way, but yeah, it is quite hard, um, to, to break into new venues. Um, I think really, what makes it easy at the moment for us is there's new venues popping up all the time, uh, which means there's more room for everyone yeah. uh, rather than, you know, trying sure, to get beer yeah. into a, an existing venue, which is basically just kicking someone else off the tap. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is tough. Um, you have to pound the pavement. You have to be on the phone a lot. Um, and, yeah, it, it's hard work, but it's, it's fun. It struck me that you actually managed to do it quite well. I spotted your beers, you know, popping up all over the place, sometimes in venues that you wouldn't even expect craft beer at all to, to be there, let alone, you know, yeah. an, an upstart young brewery. So okay. um, do you feel like it was a real slog to, to, to do that? To to get to, Was there much persuasion involved in getting these, these venues to, to sell your beer? Um, much persuasion? I'm not sure. Um, I think it was just a lot of... Um, footwork, going in there, talking to people, dropping off samples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for people to taste the beers okay. um, before they make a decision just based on, on our marketing and our, yeah, and our yeah. pricing. Um, we really want the beer to speak for itself, and I think it has done um, for some people. There's still some venues who just look at the price and and just never call us back. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, our beers aren't expensive, but they're not the cheapest out there either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah, it really depends on, on the venue and, the, and the, the people that are in there, I think. And you get to some point, though, you're paying for what you get. And I don't think your beers are, ex- are expensive, but it's a good beer, and you sometimes have to pay a little bit more than a normal case of too easy to get that. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The customers understand that. You know, and a lot I think most definitely, yeah. And a lot of the venues yeah. are learning that too, and, you know, it's, it's good to see. Sessionable. Mm. Okay, on to beer number two, and we are, well, tell us, Sam, what are we drinking? Uh, so this is Red Sky. Um, this is a jasmine and hibiscus-infused American-style IPA. Can't help but notice it's not particularly red. Do you get people saying that to you? Uh, 
got a red, red <laughs> so I've seen redder. I've seen redder beards. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, we, we don't try and call it a red ale. It mm. just happens to be called Red Sky. Yeah. Um, I think it, I mean, if if you see the beer before we add the hibiscus and see it after. That's definitely a red ale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I said what you mean. It's more of a copper uh, colour, I guess. Um, the hibiscus does add quite a lot of a lot of colour to okay. it, though. Uh, without that, it'd be quite a pale beer, just to maybe slightly darker than Winston. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, is this a is this one of your recipes? Was this one of Dan's? This is one of mine. Okay. Um, yeah, it's something I was playing around with at home uh, for a while, using hibiscus and jasmine and other flowers in beers, uh, in different styles. And um, one one day, uh, uh, a friend of mine shared a bottle of Elysian Avatar. Yeah. With me, which is a, a Jasmine IPA okay. from Elysium in Seattle. And um, that just blew my mind. It was awesome. The Jasmine works with the hops so well. Um, yeah, but um, when I first had that beer, I didn't realise you can get that much out of, like, a, a leaf and, like, something like a flower leaf, like that into the beer. It was really mm. prominent, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, if you just make a hot tea with some, some of the same Jasmine flowers for use for the beer, you get a totally different... Um, mm. different cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I don't know if it's, um, you know, the sugar or the, or the alcohol that kind of yeah. brings out different flavors, but I think it works really well with the hops. Mm. Um, yeah. And I played, played, played around with hibiscus a bit as well on its own. And I thought, why not throw them together and see what happens? Yeah, cool. And, uh, I think it turned out pretty well. So we, yeah, we took it to, um, the oak barrel, uh, craft beer and cider fair mm-hmm. as an experimental beer and, just in a little party keg, and yeah, we got lots of good feedback from yeah. that, so we decided to scale it up. So in terms of the, the process, do you actually put whole flowers into the, the brew, or do you use a certain part of the flower? So we get uh, dried flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the jasmine flowers are whole. The hibiscus flowers are just the dried petals, okay. I believe. Uh, yep, and they come dried in these big bags, and we, we put them in even bigger bags and um, <laughs> <Mix it up. laughs> dunk them around in, in the kettle at the end of the boil, like big tea bags. And, uh, yeah, they you know, rehydrate, and the hibiscus, just all the colour comes out. You can see the, ch- the change almost instantly, and um, the jasmine just gives it that you know, nice flavour and aroma. Do you ever have to have any sort of difficult conversations with the owners of the brewing equipment it turns out you're going to add weird and wonderful things (laughs) um we always run run it by them before we do it obviously yeah (laughs) Um, and we've found they've been really quite accommodating um even someone we're talking to about using their brewery now um a different brewery we're talking about using uh some coconut and yeah, he was he was quite cool. He fought, fought through all the problems that that potentially could happen. Potentially yeah. could happen, and all the you know safeguards we could use to stop it getting into the heat exchange and clogging things up and stuff like that. You know, in general, I think you know brewers are pretty open to that kind of thing as long as you can do it safely without ruining the equipment. I guess they want to say you're thinking it through and not going, "Oh, it's a strange thing that happens." Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, with with the flowers, uh, they tend to float instead of. Uh, sink to the bottom like hops do at the yeah. end of the boil and right. when when they sink to the bottom with with the whirlpool um, that all gathers together in the middle in a cone and you can just draw off the side and you don't yeah. get any hops going through your, your heat exchange whereas with the flowers 
um, they don't tend to behave as well and they could easily clog up the heat exchange and that's a big problem mm-hmm. it can be yeah. okay. so yeah we take a precaution and put them in a bag yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we touched briefly on the successes of the last year um, and Winston in particular um, we should probably at least mention that you did rather well in the hottest 100 <coughs> via countdown um, yeah, the other guys did a great job in that yeah yeah we were we were blown away um, you know we thought if we got in it might be you know 70 to 100 and mm-hmm. by the time we got to 50 we kind of gave up and started getting pissed <laughs> <laughs> on Australia Day and yeah and then it got to 40 and and my partner Britt saw it first, and she's like, "Sam, Sam, look!" <laughs> and yeah, that was that was a awesome. Um, we were totally blown away, and you know, we're really thankful for all the people that that drank the beer and, and liked it, and you know, we're we're happy that people are enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really you know a good achievement for us, only having brewed I think five thousand liters of Winston last yeah. year. Wow. Um, you know, which is less than one batch for the big guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, we were pretty stoked with that. Did much of it make you out of Sydney last year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we have sent a couple of kegs down to Melbourne. Um, I can't remember if it was last... It was definitely last year. I don't know if it was before the voting finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe just one keg of Winston went wow. down to Melbourne to uh, True Brew yeah, in wow. South Yarra. Um, yeah. We do exclusively Growl Hills. Yeah. And that was just because Anton, the, the owner, was in Sydney um, for a weekend and had his car. He could drive it there for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we're not making enough um, to have so much stock that we can send any beer, um, much beer in the yeah. state at the moment. Um, and we haven't spent a lot of time trying to build up um, sales relationships with with um, venues in other states. Are you getting people coming to you and asking for beer in the state? Occasionally, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, there's actually a pub in Hobart called The Winston. Um, <laughs> we've been trying to figure out how we can get um, some cakes down to them yeah. cheaply, but the freight's a killer, like, yeah. to go across um, Bass Strait. Yeah, right. Uh, I haven't fi- quite figured that out yet. Um, you know, it's easy to... If you're sending 50 kegs, it's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, you know, send, send a handful for, mm. for one venue. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all. I think it has been available online, so um, Beer Bud and Beer Cartel and I think Barney's yeah. also okay. sell it online. So people outside of New South Wales definitely could have got their, their hands on some bottles. Yeah. yeah. But really, when you consider how much has been shipped around, it's you know, it makes the, the number 40 even more. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. A lot of smiley faces where I was on, uh, <laughs> on Australia Day anyway when the, when the announcement came in. Have you found that there's been an increase in demand since you made it into the top 100? Oh, definitely. Um, not a lot, but we've had a lot of lot more demand for bottles. And unfortunately, um, we've been waiting on empty glass bottles <laughs> from our supplier since December, and we only just got them um, a few weeks ago for the bottle that we just had before. Um, so that's been really tough on us. We've had a lot of our existing customers waiting for bottles for, for months. And also lots of new um, potential customers asking, how yeah. can they can I get some Winston in bottles? And we've had to say, sorry, we don't have any. Um, which kind of sucks. That's quite a delay. Is there a national bottle shortage we should be concerned about? Uh, there was. Uh, I don't think there's any more. Okay. Um, so yeah, a lot Definitely, of yeah, I know a lot of people were having some issues. Wow. With the I haven't heard about that. Yeah. Was that all to do with the? I don't know. 
a stab in the dark, but I know there's going to be a lot of import problems <coughs> with the States because of the, ship, the, the, the warping strikes over there. Oh, right. So you'd be surprised if they came from America. No, yeah. but apparently it's like there's a lot of ships tied up right. waiting yeah. to unload oh, stuff, yeah. so the whole international shipping routes are being quite, yes, possibly. quite thrown out of whack. So. I'm not sure. Um, I heard that it was the manufacturer just wasn't planning on doing a run just ran for short. a while, and, and our right. distributor here in Australia ran out. Mm. Don't know much more than that. <laughs> but it, yeah. I know it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It must be frustrating when you're trying to build momentum and things outside of your control sort of bring it back down. Yeah, especially um, when when we were planning Imperial Winston and it looked like we weren't going to be able to get any bottles for that at all. Wow. And that's something we really wanted to put into bottles so that um, more people could enjoy it rather than just the ones that can get into Sydney mm-hmm. to, to some of the venues around town and have it on tap. Uh, but we we did find um, if you look closely, they're, they're a slightly different bottle oh, right. from a different supplier. Um, but all the breweries that we're using, um, the the normal bottles that we use went to that same supplier, so they ran out pretty quickly as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a downer, but I, I think it's all good now. Do you um, keep a lot of stock for yourself to see how how they develop over time, or? Yeah, we have been. Um, we try and keep. Um, pretty much every batch we do, we put a case aside just for us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll keep the last handful of bottles of that case around um, for at least a few months. Yeah. Uh, at least as long as we know um, people still have stock on hand. Yeah. Um, just to make sure they're still holding up. Yeah, because if someone comes back to us with an issue, we want to be able to go back to that batch and taste ourselves and, and try and figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't happened yet. We haven't. Needed to, you know, no, I think been call back any stock or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good for us to know how the beers age as well. Mm. Yeah. And how do you, have they have they been aging well? Have you would you prefer them to be drunk quite fresh or? Oh, Winston, um, we definitely prefer people drink fresh. Uh, we find, you know, we, when it gets to about the five six month mark, the hops Damn. tend to fade away. Mm. Um, I do find that with Winston, the hop character changes over time and. Um, the Amarillo fades away a bit um, after, you know, three or four months and the, and the Nelson really starts shining oh, through, wow. which I quite like. Yeah. <laughs> um, it becomes a slightly different beer, but the hops, you know, they don't, the, the intensity doesn't really fade away that mm-hmm. much. It just changes. Yeah. Um, it just changes over time. But Winston, yeah, definitely try and drink it within, within two months if you can. Um, it'll still be good until six months, but if you really want a nice fresh Winston... Try and get it as soon as we um, get it out there. I think nowadays it's not really an issue because, like the the stuff that I got away, I think it's pretty much all gone anyway. So. Oh really? That's <laughs> yeah. Pretty, yeah. You know, we don't want people sitting on stock. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're brewing regularly at the rocks now, so we should have a pretty much uh, constant supply of bottles going out. Yeah. Awesome. So there's always going to be a fresh batch coming. Yeah. yeah. Good news. Um, the red sky. I think the red sky ages pretty well. Um, I think it would lend better to aging, yeah. Yeah, we do throw a lot of hops at it, um, and the hops kind of blend well with the flowers, and it's hard to pick the hops out. Yeah, yeah. But the flowers really do um, stick around as well. Like, they don't fade as much as the hops do, mm. I don't think. It's an interesting balance, because the hops do seem quite bitter in the red sky to me, and then yep. you get the, the floral notes actually bring a bit of sweetness in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find the jasmine adds quite a lot of bitterness as well. So f- for a 6.5% beer, I think it's only about um, 
40 IBUs, okay. uh, which is, you know, I'd normally go one for one um, IBUs to ABV is my rule of thumb for <laughs> IPAs. So I'd normally aim for around 65 yeah. IBUs for a 6.5% beer. Uh, but with this one, I'll dial it back a fair bit because the jasmine um, does add some bitterness itself. Yeah, so the perceived bitterness would be actually quite higher than that. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the hibiscus um, brings a bit of sweetness to it. Yeah, no, I definitely on the other hand, quite so. a sweet note off it. So, you know, talking about issues with, like, um, finding brew space and, and uh, you know, sourcing bottles and stuff like that, do you find that's a bit of a victim of the scale of your brewery and being the gypsy brewer? Is that one of the downfalls you see for that business model? Or Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, it is hard to plan, you know, more than a couple of months in advance uh, in terms of what capacity we need. Like, it, we never know how much volume we're going to be moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy, you know, well, we do have an agreement with the Rocks guys to brew 4,000 litres of Winston every month. Wow. Um, yeah, so we're setting ourselves a bit of a challenge to sell that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot more than we were brewing at that. <laughs> um, um, the other aspect is with stuff like bottles, like if we were, if we did have our own brewery, if we did have uh, maybe our own storage facility and we had, um, you know, a year of brews booked in advance, we knew how much volume we were going to be moving. We could order, a, you know, a truckload of bottles and just put them in storage and we yeah. know we've got them. Uh, we can order stuff like, you know, bottle caps, labels, uh, boxes for the bottles, all kinds of things like that. And your cost would probably come down because of the scale. Definitely, yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, at the moment we're kind of running on a just-in-time model. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah occasionally doesn't that quite fire. work when, when the, the bottle truck decides to um, go to another customer in, in <laughs> instead, instead of little old us. And I've got, you know, four, four friends and volunteers at the brewery ready to go with no, no bottles to fill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> get drinking, guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's if I was at a brewery, no like, you have nothing to do now, I'd be too disappointed. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, some, some key words back then, if we had our own brewery. Is that, mm-hmm. is that the plan? Uh, it's it's definitely something we want to do. Um, we don't have a solid plan. Like, I couldn't tell you when it will happen. <laughs> um, it really depends how shenanigans goes over the next year. At the moment, it's still very much, um, you know, it's it's a passion for us. Um, it's, you know, we've both still got day jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not drawing an income from it at all. All the, you know, the, the revenue we make is going back straight into the business. So actually going from, Earning a nice salary to, um, depending on shenanigans, would be a big jump. Mm. Um, and I think, a, you know, a brewery might help us get there, but it's still a long way off, mm. I think. Um, That's your end goal, to some degree? I'd love to have my own brewery. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> and I think, um, in some ways, Gypsy Brewing is really great because you get to see a lot of breweries and actually use them, and you can... Get a better idea of what you want. Exactly. Mm. You, you know, you can learn some... Things like, oh, we don't want the pipe, that pipe going that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we want these kind of valves, you know, and the handle turn this way because it's, yeah. you know, you're not going to bash your hand against the other valve and just little things like that. And that you'd never be able to think of just ordering out of a catalog and going in and taking that. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. and process stuff like, you know, getting a, a good cake cleaner, I think, is is definitely <laughs> something you want to do. An automatic cake cleaner. You hear the one the, the rocks have is quite whiz bang. Yeah, that's good. Um, the batch guys have got a pretty awesome one as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, saves a lot of work. <laughs> so you mentioned the day job. Um, both yourself and Dan still have the day jobs. 
we've talked before to Doc about from, from Doctor's Orders about how he manages to somehow superhumanly juggle his work and mm, home and, yeah. and brewing life balance. How difficult is that? It's not so bad for me at the moment. Um, I actually took six months off um, work to focus on shenanigans and have a bit of a break from work. Um, and I went back to work in January. And now I'm back at work three days a week. Oh, cool. uh, so yeah, yeah. the other two days are left for me to work on shenanigans and and just be a man of leisure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. It is, I mean, it is hard. Um, there's often, you know, emails that we need to reply to in the middle of the day, um, phone calls that we need to make to each other and to customers um, while we're at work. And, yeah. You know, our, my employees really great. They understand you know, what I'm doing and... So they understand what, you, what your situation is and... Yeah, yeah, I'm very open with them about it. And, you know, some days I need to spend an hour or two on the phone and I'll just, you know, stay back a bit later at Make night. Make that up, yeah. As long as the work gets done. Yeah, um, cool. They're cool with it, yeah. Because you're lucky to have a, an employer that's as, um, you know, willing to make that happen for you as well. Yeah, yeah. They're great. <laughs> God bless <you. laughs> So... Obviously, a lot of physical effort goes into brewing as well. I know you've been working at a lot of uh, high-tech breweries <laughs> over the last uh, few months, but still... Oh, uh, yes and no. <laughs> there's a lot of hands to the pump, so to speak. Do you, have you found that yeah. it's helped with your physical form? Yeah, um, definitely. I've, yeah, just for number one, um, I lost like 10 kilos in the six months that I was, I was <laughs> nice. off work and I was... Um, just because I wasn't sitting on masks in front of a computer all day, but also because I was, you know, brewing a lot and lugging kegs around. Um, the Batch Brewery is, it's a nice, beautiful, new, shiny brewery, but there are manual aspects to it. Um, you know, you've got to lug the grain bags over to the mill and lift them up and dump them in. Um, you've got to stir the mash by hand. They don't have, um, wow, wow. they don't have automatic mash rakes fitted to their mash tun. They'll give the cannons a good workout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, it's hot work too. You're standing over, yeah. you know, 60. It does get quite hot in those, like, somewhere like Bash. I could imagine that getting very hot. It does get warm in there. Yeah. Especially when you're standing over the mash tun. Yeah. It's hot just standing at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there have been days when I've been in there brewing or, or kegging and it's been, you know, 36, 38 degrees. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's hard work. And, yeah, just lugging kegs around as well. So, yeah, lost a bit of weight, got a bit fitter. Um, was that an aspect of the job that you were aware of before you guys kicked it off? Or was that, to some degree, at the physical aspect of it? Oh, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've talked to a lot of brewers and, and you know, they, they make a point of never actually having to lift a keg. You know, it's, it's always on a trolley or a pallet yeah. or a forklift or, you know, or you roll it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, they've, they've got people to, to lift their grain bags around for them <laughs> as well. But, uh, no, I guess it wasn't really something that, that, I, that I thought of. But, yeah, after, you know, a brew day or, or a keg day at Batch, I was definitely a bit sore the next day. I bet, yeah. <laughs> does, uh, does Dan pull his weight as well? No, I'm not trying to start another fight. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a competition between the two, isn't there? Yeah, he's not into defending too. <laughs> <laughs> no, he does. He does. He does. A, he does a lot of work. Um, he um, yeah, he gets down the brewery when he can, uh, which is you know about as often as often as me. Yeah. Sessionable. So um, we've got the, the third beer in front. Of, is it the third beer? Or does it count? Yeah, yeah it's the third yes. beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the third beer in front of us, which is your latest. Oh, I guess the latest release besides the re-release. Um, tell us what we're drinking. 
Uh, so this one's called Imperial Winston. Uh, it's something we put together for our first birthday. Um, so, yeah, late last year we knew our first birthday was coming up and we wanted to put out a special beer for it. Um, we, knew wanted, we, we knew we wanted to make something big, uh, alcohol-wise, and um, something that would be special that we could um, you know, create a nice label for and, and, and launch at our birthday party. Um, and, yeah, we bounced a few ideas around and settled on, on basically an imperial version of Winston. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, we wanted to basically double the Winston recipe, malt, hops, and everything. Yeah. And it would, would have ended up more like a barley wine. <laughs> um, yeah, Winston's not a small beer to start with. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it would have been well over 10%, I think, and, and a much thicker body than this. Mm. Um, but just... Um, to actually get it through the brewery uh, in two weeks, um, which is kind of what we were restricted to at batch, um, we decided to lighten it up a bit, and we cut down on the malt bill a little bit from from just directly doubling. Yeah. And uh, basically tried to make... the same, the exact same malts? Just same high, malts, just... quantity? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it ended up, we ended up making what's more like an Imperial IPA hmm. um, than a barley wine. And, yeah, but we did keep the hops exactly double, though. Yeah, right. So, yeah, double the bittering, double the flavour, and double the, the dry hop, mm. which was a shitload of hops. <laughs> <laughs> I think we lost about, um, yeah, just over 200 litres of, of beer yeah, just, just, to the drop, yeah. just to the dry hops. And a um, lot to lose. Whirlpool yeah. hops, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, what I really like about this is this real nice, like, caramel butterscotchy sort of the malt profile, mm-hmm. which is really enticing. And, and um, the alcohol is, like, really not apparent on the palate at all. It's actually dangerous. The first time I had it, I had, it, like, a couple of scooters of this. Oh. Um, yeah, I was yeah. like, Half an hour later, I was feeling pretty happy, yeah. Yeah, um, I've got a similar story. When we actually bottled this beer... Um, you know, bottling is a long day, and I got home and had a shower and then cracked a fresh bottle just fresh off the bottling line yeah. open and had it all to myself, and, yeah, that I didn't need anything else to drink that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it definitely hits you. It does, but you don't get any of that warmth or, um, on the palate or as it goes down to the you don't get any of that burn or anything like that. It's really, no, yeah. really well balanced, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So this created quite a bit of a buzz around town when this came mm. out. Um, quite a lot of excitement for Craft Beer Rising, which was when it really was released. That's right, yeah. Um, has the feedback been as positive as uh, I would imagine it has been? Yeah, it's been great. We've been blown away by by the feedback people have given us. Um, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, it lives up to the hype, and, you know, we didn't really try and create much hype around hype? it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it's just mouth-to-mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people said, you know, it's up there with 777, which is you know, pretty... Pretty amazing. Yeah. Triple Seven's a pretty amazing beer. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the check-ins, always check the check-ins are untapped. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of times a week, and it's, it's been, you know, a few people didn't really know what they were getting themselves into when they bought it, I think. Um, but I think, yeah, it's been mostly positive, which is good. I think it was funny when I got it at work, because I had on the top of the case, like, do not sell before such and such a date so it would be at least craft beer rising first that's that right, right? Yeah. yeah yeah and the amount of people like oh can i just grab one of those like, <laughs> no can, can you read like <laughs> they knew what they were doing too like, it was like oh just uh no nah. <laughs> well, yeah 
thanks for not doing that. Oh, yeah, no, we, no, no. we wanted, you know, it to be a special event for our birthday and for the people there to be the first ones to taste it. So, yeah, that's why we did that. Well, my story with Imperial Winston is I had a real fear of missing out. So I actually managed to orchestrate a situation whereby I was given a bottle to take with me on holiday under strict instructions not to open <laughs> before this date, which I did too. But probably because I hadn't had anything hoppier than Crown Golden Ale in the previous couple of days. <laughs> by, the t- by the time I cracked it, it really, really knocked my head off. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, you know, within a couple of days of you know of it, of it being given to me, having opened it, I found it hugely hoppy um, from the bottle. Almost too much, though, and I don't often say that. Yeah, having had it um, a couple of times from the keg since then, um, I don't know, maybe it was just in the surroundings I was in since then, and among other reasonably hoppy beers, I, I found it a lot more drinkable than I had done before, and even now, you know, this is the first time I've had it from the bottle again since. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, have you found that it's tempered slightly since that first week or so? Yeah, look, I think um, it definitely has. I think, yeah, there was a bit of a, yeah, a bit, bit more of a bite to it, in, especially in the hop department, I think. Yeah, that's, um, that's where I think was. It was that like a on tap to bottle, or was that just a letting it settle down? Or? I think it was just that it was really fresh. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just settled down with a bit of time. And I did find it had a bit of a grassiness to it mm-hmm. when yeah. we first bottled yeah. it, too. I think there's still a little, little bit of that there now, um, but I quite like that. I think it tastes beautiful now. It's really well. I, I agree. I think it's, you know, I think it's more approachable and drinkable now than it yeah. was in that first one. Okay. It's funny seeing craft beer nerds complaining about something being too hoppy. <laughs> <laughs> too fresh. Too fresh. Too hoppy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for, for uh, making sure I didn't miss out. Sam. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool to see that check-in come through. Yeah. We were you in Bali. Was in Bali. Yeah. <laughs> Checked in from my, uh, from my hotel. There's probably some poor craft beer nerd in Bali still trying yeah. to find where that's going to be. One end of the island to the other. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to go here, they've got Imperial Winston. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, from one interesting, exciting beer to another, um, what do you got coming up, Sam? Um, I understand you're on the list of special specialty beers for Gabs this year. Yes, that's right. Um, we, we got on the list this year. Um, we were a bit too late last time. Um, but yeah, we're on there this, this year, um, and can't wait. Uh, I love Gabs. It's one of the, the best festivals, um, that I've ever been to. It's so exciting tasting all those beers for oh, the first time. Love it. And they're all, you know, special beers brewed for the event. Mm. And yeah, the, the atmosphere is just amazing. And yeah, it's going to be great to be part of it this year. So, um, how do you go about getting on the list? Do, do they approach you? Do you approach them? How does it work? Uh, I think it depends who you are. Um, for, us, <laughs> for us, we we I um, emailed Steve and said, oh, "Can we please, 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 please?" <laughs> <laughs> no, they, um, I think what happens is they open it up to to brewers that have previously brewed a beer for Gaps before first, and uh, then they open it up to other people who are interested. And we put our names down on the list, and you basically have to pitch an idea um, to them and. Uh, if it's too similar to a lot of other beers that other people have mm-hmm. proposed, then they might come back to you and say, oh, look, you know, how about something different? We've got too many, you know, um, strawberry chocolate stouts <laughs> this year or something like that. Um, Which would be a style. I wouldn't be surprised if five people tried to do the cat's <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, and then, then they, yeah, just pick a certain number. So, 
I think it's, what I really like about Gaps is, um, you know, it's because it's a yearly thing. There's a, every year there's new breweries that we've heard of that haven't come down to Sydney yet, so mm. it could be a first time for us to try a lot of breweries that we've read about and not had a chance to taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're really good at keeping up to date with the new breweries that they're getting in mm. each year, which is really exciting. I'm sure that some people in Melbourne are being really excited that they're going to be able to taste something from you guys. So hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of lot of friends and family in Melbourne, so yeah. Tell us a bit about what you what you're doing for it. Um, so our beer um, is called Lime in the Coconut, and uh, <laughs> this is a uh, it's a project of Dan's that he's been working on, madly brewing pilot batches at home lately. Um, so the idea is it's a it's a IPA. And we're planning on using some some newer, hopefully some experimental hops in the US that we're working on getting. Nice. And, yeah, some lime zest and some coconut. So it's going to be quite a pale IPA. And so the idea is to make it kind of like a, you know, splice ice cream. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, vanilla on the inside and, and kind of Citrus tropical and fruits and yeah. wow. um, icy pole kind Have of you know on splice? the outside. No, this sounds very much like an Australian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited about the the idea and the pilot batches that Dan's done so far have been pretty tasty. He's he's, he's one of the best um, brewers I know in terms of balancing a lot of different flavours uh, together in yeah. the one beer because um, that is the key for making a beer like this, I think. Yeah, that balance, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah look, I think you guys across all your beers have really been a master of balance um, besides what some people said the first time beer was thinking about. <laughs> When you release a beer like this to something like Gaps, there's a history of some of these beers becoming really popular and, mm. you know, due to overwhelming public demand needing to be brewed again and again. Do you have a half a mind on that when you enter something into oh, of course, something yeah. like this? You know, there's Gunner Matter, there's um, Death from Above. Yeah. Taco. Uh, Taco, yeah. Yep. The, you know, three that come to mind that have just gone gangbusters pretty much since since they debuted at Gaps. You know, um, Gunner Matter... Is now going to be brewed out of Brewdog pretty soon, yeah, I think. Yeah. He brewed it over for the, um, I forget what the festival's called, the British... Weatherspoons Festival. Weatherspoons yeah. Festival, yeah. he brewed, what, 50,000 litres or something? Yeah, like something crazy. I think it was Abnum's brewery that he yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's being sold all around the world. I think, you know, I think Sydney goes through most of the, the world stock. Um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> One particular does. person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that's always on my mind, like, you know. I don't think beers like that would go so big without that little, um, you know, leg up at the start. Yeah, I think certain breweries have really learned how to use gaps to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a sustainable recipe, is it? If it needed to continue, it's not going to uh, break the bank. Oh no, it's not going <laughs> to break the bank. Um, but yeah, the the way we have to prepare the ingredients does worry me a bit. Yeah, um, I think we're going to hand have to hand zest. Um, you know, 200 limes or something like that. Zesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think Taco and there to do that. I've seen some great photos of them all around yeah. the workstation doing that. <laughs> so, um, I saw some pretty awesome photos on social media when Batchers were in there. What a melon beer. Yeah, I was there for that. That was good. Wearing watermelon yeah. helmets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, you know, turn it into a funny Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, um, yeah, when... Two birds are brewing taco. There's like basically fruit limes you could just rock up and buy because they're using the skin portion of it. That yeah. you can just rock up and get whole bags of limes, and limes aren't cheap. So 
That's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Batch whenever they brew the um their wheat beer. I think it's called Alice Wheat. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's always big boxes of skinless oranges lying around. <laughs> just take them home, and I just took them home and juiced them. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Anything else exciting coming up on the mm. horizon? Yeah, we're doing um, an event in Melbourne for Good Beer Week with um, Adam from Platinum Liquor. Um, it's a it's a beer and film night at the Valhalla Social Cinema. Um, the film is The Departed, and, oh, cool. and the beer is an Irish-themed beer It's um, with a bit of an American twist. So it's a dry stout style that we're um, throwing some American hops at to um, right. yeah, make it a bit more interesting. Beer and film, Jim. I like the idea of that. Yeah. yeah Adam's moving. He's done that. He did that with Hot Dog. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, it should be fun. So we'll be down there. It's on the, the Saturday, the 23rd, I think, of May. Two minutes on sale now. Cabs and then songs run down. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> okay. So appreciate you. You've told us quite a bit. Is there any any other secrets that you might be interested in? <laughs> Anything ever on the, of the stunt variety that <laughs> may be on the horizon? Any homebrew recipes that might see the light of day that you're particularly excited about? Um, like I said before, we've got lots of ideas. Um, nothing, you know, in the pipeline okay, worth a go, right? as yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think nice diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to be pretty busy... Um, you know, scaling up Winston and uh, also getting our Gabs beer ready and, and this um, uh, Platinum Liquor collaboration ready. And That's a lot to happen in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No That's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, we're starting to think about other beers um, that will come next, but we don't have anything um, solid planned yet. Part of the excitement is hearing about the new releases anyway, right? So, you know. Well, if you found that now, you'd be fucking up for three months already. Yeah. Where's that? Where's that? I'm going on holidays. (laughs) (laughs) You're a fashion of me. Is that what you hear in your head when I talk? I'm not going (laughs) to. I can say we're already planning our um, anniversary beer for next year. Wow. Um, Yeah. um, It's going to be, you know, something big again, but something you can sell off for a bit longer than this one. Interesting. So. Not planning on any massive fights or artistic differences in that time, then, if you're still planning for the second year. What are you planning? So, uh, just turn into other items in the news, other stuff that's been going on. Um, I mean, I guess we yeah, we touched on um, Gabs and the, yeah. the release of, was it this week of the, the Gabs beers? It's something yeah. that's pretty exciting. Um, I think there's some cracking names as, as always. Is there anything that stood out for you guys that you really want to try? Um, oh, yeah, there were. Um, interested to try Akasha. Yeah, we're just to try anything. Yeah. yeah, possibly for the first time by then. I don't know what we'll be like if we'd like to see anything before then. Um, always interested in what Garage products are coming up with. They've probably got the longest name of any beer on the festival. <laughs> interesting trying to write that down on the. Uh, Protein for mother, you wouldn't, would you? Because it's New Zealand. <laughs> so you can't, vote for, can't vote for that one. Um, wow. I mean, anything there that you particularly like the look of? Liam? You know what? I really want to try the Four Pine Snickers. I think that's oh. something you could really nail and do something really interesting with. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to give points to um, Hot Dog for fitting in a Primus reference into a name of a beer, which is always <laughs> awesome. I don't know, man. This is like. <laughs> There's so many beers there. I think I saw a tweet earlier. Someone had picked out the Pixel beer as a potential winner 
in the wow. mold, in the mold of other beers that have won in recent years. It's a, as far as a well, sweet, yeah, a sweet salted caramel yeah. chocolate tart ale, and they, you know, they could be onto something there. There's some good looking Berliner Weisses in there as well. I yeah, I think the sour stuff, the sour stuff is definitely. Um, um, yeah, the garage project's being 100% Brett fermented, being yeah. really interesting. I think someone was doing like an old fashioned cocktail style beer as well, which something I'll be pretty yeah, interested to try. Oh, um, Panhead. Yeah, yeah. Bourbon old fashioned cocktail beer. How about um, you, Sam? Anything in there that's, that catches your eye in particular? Yeah, the Garage Project, always love checking out what they're doing. Um, Hop Dog, love the name as well. Uh, I'd love to see what Bacchus come up with. Atomic Lemon Lime and Bitters sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they've been experimenting a lot with many, many different types of Berliner devices in brew there. If you look on their um, website, they've got, I think, like maybe eight different Berliner devices for sale with <laughs> different fruits and, wow. and things. Yeah, Freddie got finger limed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome name. Great name. Um, also, the um, the two birds, pina colada IPA, sounds yeah, pretty, that could be pretty awesome interesting. As well. um, be interesting to taste it next to to our beer. Yeah, a blending beer opportunity going on there, I reckon. Maybe. Quite yeah, nice. and the surf and turf Aussie ale. Um, yeah, that, that, that alarms me a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> steak and prawns. Yeah, um, beer, maybe. <laughs> yeah, let's keep you interested. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Thirsty I, Crow's doing that one, so like, yeah, I don't know. I've had a bad beer from Thirsty Crow, so I quite like the um, boat rocker beer name as well. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, there's so many beers there, isn't it? Definitely. I think I'm going to try and try all of them, like between Sydney and Melbourne gas. Yeah, yeah. Um, try and get them all in. I'm just going to be doing Sydney this year, so I'm... Okay. The good thing about that is I can wait for you guys to go <laughs> down in Melbourne and I can just okay work something out. I've, the last two years I've done everything. That's a fucking lot of work. <laughs> it's yeah. work. It takes the yeah. whole weekend, doesn't it? To, it does. And it's like, well, sometimes you just want to walk around and have a chat to people. Like, can't stop drinking. Must get through everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh no, on taps down. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my badge? <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'm just going to have a day in the city and just drink some good beers. But yeah. Cool. So elsewhere, we've heard that the uh, production of Australian hops is going to be ramped up. Yeah, that's exciting. Which is good news. Yeah. I imagine that pleases you, Sam. Yeah, we use a we use a bit. We use a bit of Galaxy in, in the Winston, and that's been really hard to get the last few months, so mm-hmm. we're waiting on the new harvest to come in. Yeah, we're hoping to get a small allocation <laughs> from yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really good to see that, um, you know, the HBA Hot Products Australia business is doing so well and that, you know, that's just going to give them a bit more room to produce some exciting new varieties, hopefully. Well, that's it, isn't it? Like the, the aspect of some new stuff. I mean, everything that's in the last, what, five years that they've released has been awesome and really exciting to see what you, people like you have been doing with it. So. I think the prospect for us is seeing some new stuff that you guys get to play with is mm. always going to be exciting too. And, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, so thank you very much for coming to join us in the Sweatbox. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, no, I'm going to have a shower when I get home. But yeah. <laughs> Are you going to have a, an Imperial Winston in the shower when you get home as well? That's a pretty good shower, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll get this lift. <laughs> it's good to catch up, Sam. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, give our regards to Dan, and hopefully we can catch up again in about another 12 months' time and see uh, see where you're at then. Yeah.
Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Onwards and upwards. Cheers. Cheers. Catch you next time.